0: Welcome to episode number 29 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you start and grow a business, find a career you love, and make a bigger impact in your life. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and an MBA student in the class of 2020 at the U.S.C. Marshall School of Business. I've had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched Just Go Fitness and now with Just Go Grind. In this episode, we have Artur Meester, who is the CTO of Career Karma and a founder and co host of the Breaking Into Startups podcast, one of the most successful and popular podcasts on helping people break into tech careers. Artur actually got his start in investment banking, spent three years investment banking, and then transitioned into a career in tech by becoming a self taught software engineer. It's just crazy his story. You have to listen to this episode. Career Karma is a career development platform for people looking to break into the tech industry and breaking into startups podcast features inspiring stories of people who want to break into tech from non-traditional backgrounds. Artur and his career karma company actually is Y Combinator-backed, just got into the Winter for 2018-2019, which is incredibly exciting, and we discussed so many things in this episode from how Artur made his big career switch, how the Breaking into Startups podcast was born, and how it grew into what it is now, which is such a popular podcast where they've even had guests like Gary Vaynerchuk on there, and how people can ultimately break into the technology industry, even from non-traditional backgrounds. You can subscribe over in iTunes or Apple Podcasts. The show is also on SoundCloud, Anchor, Stitcher, all those podcasting platforms. The show notes are always, always, always at com slash podcast. Without further ado, here's Arthur Meester from Career Karma and Breaking into Startups. Artur, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Let's do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've definitely listened to a bunch of different episodes of Breaking into Startups and was excited to have you on. And I want to start early on. I know you've probably been through this a few times, but you started in investment banking. I'm curious as to why that was your initial path in your career.
1: Yeah, that's a a good question. So um, I was originally born in Ukraine, and so my family immigrated to New York when I was um, 10 or 11 years old. And just growing up in New York, like you always hear about Wall Street, you hear about finance. It's like the financial hub in the world. And so I've always been kind of fascinated by businesses. And when you grow up in that environment, you kind of look at who has the most money. And having that immigrant uh, immigrant mindset, you're always hungry. You want to prove yourself. You want to show your parents that you're um, like that. The sacrifice was worth it. So. Since very young age, since probably I was 14, um, I started getting into like the finance books, reading about Warren Buffett, investing. And so my dream job growing up was I'm going to go work on wall shit, start a hedge fund, and then, um, I don't know, buy an island someday. (laughs) That was kind of like my dream when I was growing up in high school.
0: Yeah. so just
1: kind of changed uh, down the line once I actually got into the industry.
0: Yeah, and you've been there for a number of years. So, what eventually made you decide to like make a change? Because obviously, it didn't happen right away. Like, you did it for it wasn't just like you know, oh, a few days in the job. You did it for years. And yeah. so what what made you switch?
1: Yeah. So pretty much, like, I mean, I'm someone that like likes to set goals, and I'm willing to put in the work, even if my even if it might take like five, ten years to get there. That's just kind of my personality. So since I was like in high school, I always wanted to join like an investor bank. And then eventually, like, start my own fund or something like that. So I kind of dedicated the next 10 years of my life to that goal. And so I sacrificed going st- to study abroad in school because I wanted to get a finance internship. And I would um, just, like, pretty much pack all my college courses to be finance or investing related. And I've kind of, like, just been zero focused on this one thing. And I kind of ha- – whatever I had in my head imagined, like, what finance would be, actually turned out to be the complete opposite Once I actually joined um, investment banking, I thought I was going to be in the environment of like Wolf of Wall Street, like you get to call the shots. But what you quickly realize is as someone that just enters the industry after a few years after school, you're kind of you're at the bottom of the ranking order. And pretty much all the tasks that no one else wants to do get assigned to you. Um, And with investment banking, it's notorious for just grinding six, seven days a week, Uh, A lot of the time you work, you're working 100 to 120 hours. um, And so it's pretty draining. And you start kind of after six months in the job, you kind of start asking yourself, like, what did I sign up for? Like, what's the meaning of this? What are my long term goals? And so I I would say about six months into it, once my learning curve kind of like started to uh, flatten, I started asking myself, like, what I really want to do with my life, because this is not sustainable.
0: Yeah. The hundred-hour yeah. work week seems like a bit much, obviously, especially if it's something you're not enjoying at all. It's totally different. Yeah, and that was six months in. How did you end up going for a matter of years? Then you just yeah. didn't know what you so wanted to I, do next.
1: I, I, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's a pretty common phenomenon with a lot of people that get into these like high-paying jobs or well-respected jobs, and then you get your kind of identity starts being attached to um, to the to the role you perform, you know, and with finance or investment banking you get paid really good salary but you also are expected to work pretty much all waking um, hours every day you miss a lot <laughs> of family events and friend uh, like friends birthdays and so <clears throat> um i think for myself i kind of knew six months since something inside of me was saying that hey this is crazy you should just quit but looking around yourself you're like well if i only do this for a few more years things are going to get better or like you know, it's kind of like the carrot uh, dangling in front of you. You're just like <laughs> I'm just gonna walk, take a few more steps forward, and then things will get easier. And it was just tough, man, because like I d- dislike what I was doing. I um, wasn't really like enjoying. I didn't feel like what I imagined this to be was gonna ha- is what it, what it was. But yeah. I didn't have. Uh, it took me a while to make the realization that you just have to pull the plug.
0: Yeah, and I think it's tough for a lot of people in different. Careers to actually make the switch because they've, especially if you've worked your whole life to get to this point, right? Like, I mean, you went through all the school and everything to get to this point to be an investment banker, and then it's like, okay, well, I don't like it. Well, everything up to this point has been for this, so it's like, what the hell do I do? Man, that's that's crazy. And and sure,
1: you have, I'm sure you have like audience too that's in jobs that maybe you were in school thinking that this is going to be one way, and then you actually get to the final destination and you realize that. It's nothing like you imagined, but you already got yourself into this like um, into this profession. So you try to like make the best of it, you know.
0: Yeah, and before you even became an investment banker, did you talk to other investment bankers and like what kind of research did you do into that career?
1: Yeah, I mean, I did. I definitely researched it. I think um, investment bankers, investment banking as an industry, is actually really good at selling themselves to. Um, college students because they'll do information sessions on campus they'll um come they'll fly people out to new york to various events and so they do a really good job selling it as like uh, trying to get the most talented like overachievers from every like from every school to try to become like to join their companies so that's what they're really good at doing and they'll fly out people that are they've been doing this for a few years and they'll just try to sell you on the um like why this career is great, but then yeah. no one really tells you what it's like until you actually join <laughs> and you realize that this is all uh, uh, just like a pitch, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then going from that, so obviously you end up quitting investment banking and how did you say that tech was the path you wanted to choose?
1: Yeah, so that's actually really interesting because I was on this like pretty good trajectory, at least it looked like from the outside. My parents were happy that like finally like um, our... I guess sacrifice of moving to the US from Ukraine paid off. Um, both of our sons are doing well, and then I had to kind of break the news to my parents and everyone else that hey, I'm actually quitting my job and I'm going to be unemployed. Um, in terms of what made me decide, it's actually an interesting story because I read the uh, there's a blog post by Chris Dixon called "Climbing the Wrong Hill," um, and he basically talks about how if you like if you get dropped in a desert and your goal is to climb like the highest hill, right? You're going to yeah. try to like find, like find the tallest hill, and then you're going to climb it, right? Um, but then what, what you don't realize is that that's just your local maxima. Once you get to that other hill, you'll start seeing other hills that are much taller. But it, the only way to get to the taller hills is you have to climb this hill. I mean, you have to climb down this hill, yep. and then you have to climb another hill, right? And so <clears throat> that's kind of like the paradox to uh careers as well because um you get you work really hard to get to this career you make a lot of sacrifices you get there and then you realize that's not what you want and there's actually a much (laughs) higher hill for you and i think a lot of people that are motivated and driven and ambitious they kind of fall into this trap because once they get to the final destination they start seeing like hey like people that get into investment banking as soon as they Enter foot into investing. They start thinking about how they're gonna get a job at a hedge fund or a private equity firm. You know, so that uh, chase never ends. Um, So for me, I kind of realized that investor banking was definitely a tall hill, and it took it took a lot a lot to climb it. But I saw tech um, as the future of a lot of like online businesses, and I was just I was seeing tech eat the world and tech becoming the main driver for a lot of industries and that's something that attracted me at that point i didn't know anything about coding i didn't know anything about websites so it kind of intrigued me but i never thought i would actually be a software engineer so yeah. at that point i just wanted to start a company you know
0: yeah and so you want to start a company but you, and you knew like a lot of companies obviously were going to need some type of tech background so yeah. then you decide you probably should learn code so you can start a company was that the kind of the connection there
1: yeah. So initially, I just wanted to start a, a, my own business, and um, back in two thousand, like eleven, twelve, uh, my brother and I used to work as real estate agents over the summer, renting apartments in New York City. Um, okay. Just like making si- hustling over the summer, trying to get like make some money and then go back to school. So uh, we came up with this business, this startup idea to help people find roommates, and we were pretty like stoked about build like kind of launching it. We thought about quitting our jobs and then right, uh When we it was time to actually build and implement our like PowerPoints deck into an actual website, we didn't know what to do next. Um, <laughs> you know, we didn't have any friends who were software engineers. We didn't know yeah. any dev shops or that, that could actually build it for us, and our only option was pretty much just outsourcing it to like a another country, and that didn't seem like a right approach because we would kind of be faking it, you know, just getting someone else to write the create the product, and then who knows what's gonna happen to it? Like you have to iterate. There's a lot of things that go into building a successful tech company, and we just we weren't equipped at that point. So that's yeah. when we started to learn how to code because we were just like, hey. Let's just learn how to code and invest in ourselves and build it ourselves.
0: Yeah. And to that point, I know you, like I've done a little bit of research, obviously, and I know that yeah. you ended up going Hack Reactor, that coding bootcamp, and your brother chose App Academy. How did you choose yeah. those two different bootcamps?
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> um, in 2012, there, there's this new thing that started occurring, like this new phenomena called coding bootcamps. and. Um, back then in 2013, when I actually started considering doing Hack Reactor, it was a pretty new concept. Um, but the, once I saw one of my co-workers from finance too go through a coding bootcamp, and then he got a job as a product manager and a, like I think hybrid of a product manager and software engineer at a pretty cool startup based in New York, it kind of clicked in my head. I was like, well, in just in, in a matter of months, like three to six months, he was able to completely transform himself, and now he has this pretty sweet job uh, building like the next tech platform of the future. And I'm here sitting behind a desk, like trying to align PowerPoint slides, you know. So um, <laughs> that was kind of my motivation. Just like once I learned that um, I don't need to go back to school, I don't need to sign up for more student debt to switch careers and that I could just start learning to code online and then do a coding bootcamp. That just, that path became crystal clear and that's what I started focusing on.
0: Yeah. Um, and I know we talked a little bit too, uh, before this, and I've also read a little bit about it as well and how intense mm-hmm. those boot camps are. Like yeah. what was the process like Like, once you actually got into the, the boot camp, like what yeah. were those few months like?
1: Yeah. So the process is pretty, um, um, Pretty intense, but at the same time, it's it was a similar environment to finance or like the environment I was used to because I was already working like a hundred plus hours per week. So right. for me, it was more like just um, doing something that you you actually enjoy doing versus just being at a desk and FaceTiming and playing office politics. Um, but the way that my brother and I decided on doing coding bootcamps is there are two top ones called App Academy and Hack Reactor, and um, since both of us wanted to do this career transition, um, we didn't know which one was better. So uh, App Academy does mostly Ruby Hack reactor does JavaScript and back then we didn't re- there wasn't that much information around boot camps so our plan was just both of us and by the way Timur is my identical twin as well. so we were just like <laughs> yep. we're just gonna have a perfect uh, like uh, independent experiment. One twin is gonna go to App Academy the other one's gonna go to hack reactor. And then, if one of the boot camps proves out to be better than the other, we'll just teach each other like the gaps, you know, just share yeah. the curriculum. Um, yeah. Just and just so yeah. And cover our
0: bases.
1: Yeah, cover our bases. And so that's pretty much what we did. I mean, both boot camps were uh, really strong. I mean, uh, at that point, especially boot camps were very, very careful about who they admit. It was harder to get into these boot camps than. Even like Harvard, they only accepted like less than 5% of applicants. And so what you found is a lot of the people in these bootcamps already had some level of either computer science or technical experience, or they've been learning on their own for the last like two or three months. And so um, the environment was very intense, but at the same time, everyone had the same goal. Everyone was uh, wanted to break in. Um, and so, yeah, we just did that. And then um, three months later, we were in the job search going to coding interviews, telling our story, and just doing that grind. And that was way tougher than investor banking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was yeah. what was the most difficult part about like the, those coding interviews and everything like just yeah. not knowing what to expect or like what, what was it about him?
1: Yeah so with a lot of the like uh, I guess like corporate jobs um, there's pretty much like a roadmap or like a kind of you kind of can figure out pretty easily the things you need to know and with investor making specifically there were like investment making guides so it would be like a hundred most popular questions that you get asked and you just memorize those 100 questions. And then next time someone asks you, like, how do you value a company or what's a DCF? You just spit it back at them. Um, And so it was kind of easy to game the system. And a lot of it was just networking as well. It was just kind of reaching out to people, going to these informational sessions. And then you kind of like smooth, kind of like find your way into these uh, banks with coding interviews that didn't really care about your background. Like, even though I had finance, even though I had no one really cared what I did before, They wanted to see what I could do for the company. What skills did I have? And so with a lot of the coding interviews, there's a pretty wide, um, wide areas that you could be tested on and asked about. And uh, it's almost infinite. You could be asked about something as small as like, um, like a UX UI question relating to like, how do you create a button or how do you style this? You could be asked something about databases. You could be asked something about networking. So there's such a wide array of topics that you pretty much can't prepare for the interview. So that was the toughest part of just not going to the interview, knowing that you probably only know 10% of things you're going to be asked and figuring out a way how to navigate that landscape, you know?
0: Yeah, and I've also heard that the process, I've never had to do it myself, but the process can be really long, especially for some of the bigger tech companies. Like They have a very long interview process. Is that what you experienced when you were trying to get a job?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's probably a series of at least three to four interviews. Um, and then if everything goes well, then you have an on-site that's usually five to six interviews where you get asked. You pretty much get grilled by three or four people on the various technical questions, wideboarding, um, brain teasers, and things like that. So okay. it was definitely hard, but I would say the bootcamps do a good job um, helping you understand what's required, like what you need to know. And then you spend every single like moment after the bootcamp just practicing, practicing, practicing. And um, eventually, a month or two into your job search, things start clicking. And as soon as you get your first offer, things completely change. Because then you have leverage <laughs> and then you're able to just like negotiate with other companies. And once you have one offer, other companies start coming around and things get a lot easier.
0: Yeah. And what was the company you ended up choosing then after that process?
1: Yeah. So I I ended up joining Funding Circle, which is a a B2B marketplace. It's a peer marketplace for small business loans. And uh, they actually IPO'd this year, which is a big deal. But when I joined them, they only had about 115 employees and their engineering team was only 30 people. So I came in. um, The reason part of it, part of the appeal of Funding Circle is that it was a financial like online lender and i had my background in finance so i right. already saw some like natural synergies and value adds i could bring to the team outside of just engineering and so i think that also helped me get my foot in the door
0: yeah i mean it seems like the perfect fit then based on what your background was yeah. it's like wow that's yeah. it's like, did you have other offers too you mentioned like being able to leverage and everything did you have multiple yeah. offers was that the main one or how, yeah
1: yeah i had a that? few i had a few offers um And uh, with a lot of the software engineering interviews, you basically start with like a smallest startup you could find. And then um, it might be like a two-person startup and you try to interview there and they're going to be more likely to extend an offer because they're pretty scrapped for cash, they're scrapped for equity. And if you know your stuff, if you get add value, you'll be able to get an offer. So once you get your initial offer from like a scrappy startup, then you try to like leverage that to get an offer from a little bit bigger company, and a little bit bigger company. And then you kind of want to snowball it. Where once you get a few offers from smaller startups, then you can go after bigger companies like Google, Uber, Funding Circle, and try to play the game with the big big boys. You know.
0: Wow. And so you mentioned that like being prepared from the boot camps. Did they mention like all of these things and kind of prep you in terms of knowing that this is the process you should you should take? With this, or yeah. did you have to figure it out on your own, or how did that go?
1: Yeah, so I think my um, experience going through the banking interviews came and helped out a lot because I was doing a lot of cold calling and cold, sorry, not cold calling, cold emailing to people. And um, I didn't see a lot of my bootcamp, um, like peers, doing the, taking the cold email approach. They were just applying online, which usually doesn't lead to a lot of um, responses. But I started cold emailing CTOs and CEOs of most companies. And you would actually be amazed at how many people responded because if you think about the executives, their job is to grow their team, right? And so if someone reaches out to you and says, Hey, I'm a software engineer. I have, let's say two years of experience and I know these technologies and I'm interested to learn more about your company. Pretty much everyone I emailed um, either would say, sorry, like um, right now we're not hiring or they would say, hey, you just speak to our recruiter. So then you get a referral from the CEO or CTO straight to the recruiter or the admissions person. And then they start the process. But because you got this warm lead, warm connection, you definitely get taken more seriously, even as a junior engineer.
0: Right, and that's actually something like Austin Bell said, who connected us, mentioned too yeah. like and his, his all his strategies, like yeah. yeah, reaching out to people and getting that referral is everything in terms of the job search. like you got to find that inside person to help you out and it's it's critical if you want to actually yeah, exactly. get a job yeah, somewhere now.
1: online. Like, make yourself stand out too. If you are passionate about a specific role or a specific company, email that person. you know um, I think people overestimate how how busy. People are these companies, and for most successful companies, they're hiring aggressively, right? Right. If you think about like Uber, Lyft, Instacart, they're probably doubling their headcount every quarter. So uh, since their teams are always looking for new talent, reaching out to an engineering manager or a customer success manager or someone that's in your field that you're looking to break into actually gives you a leg up because if they like your approach, if they like your introduction or your email they'll be more than happy to put you into the pipeline to interview.
0: Right. Because they, they need people so desperately because yeah, yeah these companies are growing right. so fast.
1: Exactly. Yeah. These companies, especially the ones that raise like these crazy, like series C, series E rounds, that are like a hundred million plus. Um, as soon as you raise this big round, most of the round is going to go towards um, HR, like hiring more, expanding the teams. And so, one easy way for people that want to get jobs at these high growth startups is just look at who just recently raised and hit up people um, on, on those teams and just say, "Hey, I'm interested to learn more about your company. Are you free to grab a coffee?" You know, right. and that, that will open a lot of doors.
0: Yeah, paying attention to that seems like a, a very easy way to not easy, but like a much better way to get in because you can, obviously they have yeah. cash. Like they just raise money. Like they need people. <laughs> There's a reason why yeah, they, exactly. made, they raise money. Yeah,
1: and exactly, and how did that yeah. turn
0: into? Breaking into startups, I want to get into that. How did that start then?
1: Yeah, definitely. So when I was breaking in from finance, I thought I was the only investment banker trying to become a software engineer. And there's no one around me was doing it. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to be probably the only person in in tech that came from a non-traditional background um, who didn't study computer science in school. And I was kind of uh, not not I wouldn't say ashamed of it but I definitely had an imposter syndrome around being from a non-traditional background and then once I went through boot camp and looked at all the people that were my classmates they, they, they were musicians they were artists some of them had like medical degrees lawyers like just people from all walks of life that were joining these high growth tech companies and then when I actually joined funding circle I saw that most of the people in these roles didn't actually study what they're doing now in school and so most people ended up in these jobs by either teaching themselves or just by like through a referral through a friend and then one thing led to another and then they became a software engineer or then they became a designer or a product manager and so that was kind of a big epiphany for myself and um i was like throughout the whole time my brother timor and my other co-founder ruben uh all three of us were breaking into tech and we were a little um we were just a little squad that was just always strategizing and like um, which companies to, which companies are the hottest, like I don't know, just giving each other advice on how to do it. And
0: yeah. then
1: once we got a, actually broke into tech, we started blogging about our experience. So Ruben wrote a pretty uh, popular, like famous blog post called "Breaking Into Startups," um, and it blew up over Medium kind of how he networked with a bunch of VCs that he met on Twitter to get his first business development job in tech. And then we blogged about our Timur and I and mine experience of how we became software engineers. And then people just started pouring in uh, asking us for advice. Um, And after doing probably like two or three hundred phone calls and coffee meetings, we just realized that there's so much demand out there outside of tech for people that are looking for quality, fulfilling careers, yeah, um, that it's almost like unfair that we're just keeping all this kind of to ourselves. We should just start a podcast and bring this information out there, so then people know um, what's available, what's out there, and how they can make that career transition.
0: Yeah, and to the point. So, how did you decide? So, I know you guys, I've seen the blog post by the way, that Ruben wrote. It's it's very in depth. Yeah. It's amazing. It's it's yeah. yeah, it's it's great. And I'm wondering how you decide to to do that because i know people were asking so you you decided to share on medium and through written word like why at that time was it articles versus videos versus podcasts yeah. then you know what i mean like i'm just curious in the yeah. content side of it
1: yeah i mean i think medium until 2014 2015 were just kind of blowing up and that was the time when the people started sharing like their life stories or like i guess like these tactical um pieces of like top 10 ways to break into tech things like that like just people sharing their how how they broke into tech and so Ruben since he's been networking with so many people the essay that he wrote was basically like a thank you to everyone that came and helped him break into tech right and then that kind of blew up because then people like he talked about how he met Balaji who was a Andreessen Horowitz partner and then he is now the CTO of Coinbase um, and a bunch of other VCs. So then when he wrote this blog post, they all retweeted and shared it on like social media and it just yeah. blew up. It got like, I think close to a million views and we, we kind of like stumbled into <laughs> this um, like untapped market of people outside of tech who were like us a few months before, right? Sitting on yeah. the sidelines, watching like um passively like all these tech companies all this like new apps being launched but uh, thinking that this isn't for me you know so we were those people a year like eighteen <laughs> months before and now we're just like hey look we made this transition and we're gonna throw the ladder back down you know we're not gonna just kind of forget about where we came from and it's, it, like kind of move on to the next hustle we're, we're gonna actually help people uh, outside of tech first learn about the careers available and then break down all the misconceptions around what it takes to be in tech. There's tons of people that stop themselves from having these great careers because they think they have to be technical or they have to be an engineer. There's plenty of jobs that where you don't need to know how to code. And yeah, and just helping people get like better, more fulfilling roles. Right? Like nowadays, yeah. it doesn't make sense to spend um, 40 hours a week at a job you hate. Like there's so many opportunities out there.
0: Right. there's so many there's so many different roles, positions, companies, everything. It's just like you shouldn't have to settle. Yeah. and And when you guys started to start the podcast, too, cause I mean everyone, not everyone, but people just are thinking about you know, starting something, and it's like, okay, well, what should I start? Because there's so many different things too that yeah. you can start if you want to start your own thing. And you decided a podcast. Do you remember who mentioned the podcast? like why why podcasting? I guess.
1: yeah. So we've been um, huge fans of podcasts even before we got into tech. I think the first podcast I started listening to was Entrepreneurs on Fire in 2013. (laughs) And then I think it was like Tim Ferriss and Pat Flynn and a bunch of other people that pretty much talked about starting passive income businesses. Um, And they would interview various entrepreneurs and try to break down like what tactics they were using to start these companies. And so initially, the goal for breaking the start was just, all right, let's start a passive income podcast where we talk about how to break into tech and then maybe we could turn this into like a five thousand a month business and then all three of us the the, like ruben timor and i can just use that as like our side hustle you know Um, that was kind of the initial um, inception of it but it, it was never really about the money it was more about just hey like we, we got lucky that we kind of stumbled into this tech thing and there's so much demand out there and we just can't have the same phone calls over and over again trying to explain <laughs> to people how to break into the tech. Let's just do something that scales and somehow we could reach like t- tens of thousands of people instead of just having one-on-one conversations over the phone.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because when I was uh, writing for Disco Fitness, which was my first uh, first company, it was one of those same exact things. People would ask me these fitness questions, and I was just like, I'm just going to write an article every time someone has a question, and then it'll answer it for them, <laughs> but then everyone, everyone moving forward, right? It's like, why yeah. not replicate yourself, and then you can reach so many more people, and that's uh, – that's exactly what happened with that too. It was the same type of yeah. thing. It's like, yeah, you might as well replicate your knowledge. Yeah, and 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 you, get,
1: t- and you also get to interview cool people too, because it's part of it is just learning. Like all three of us love to learn new things, and you get yeah. to hear other people's stories.
0: Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, podcasting is an amazing medium. I've been doing it for a little bit more than six months now, and I'm like, I'm I'm yeah. so impressed with the medium itself. Yeah. And yeah, it's awesome.
1: And congrats on your podcast as well. I mean, I, I love it, and I love what you're doing to help people. Um, kind of figure out like their, I guess, meaning in their careers in life and maybe start businesses or upgrade to a new, a new career. I think, um, I think that's super important, especially in this day and age when there's limitless opportunities.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and with breaking into startups, like from the inception to where you're at now, like what has fueled that growth and what are some of the things you've done to help, to help grow that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, I think in terms of, Like on the content side, we've just been going after like amazing, most non-traditional stories um, of people that broke into tech. And so uh, like stories of even people that are friends with our guests, don't know about them. Because when you look from the outside, you you might look at them and say, hey, this is a senior engineer at Slack, right? But um, what you don't know is that that person was actually a high school dropout, worked at McDonald's for three years, had tons of hardships along the way. And like little by little, by just grinding for five or six years, now they're a senior junior at Slack, work like building the next platform for communication and chat, right? So right. it's stories like this that like if you think about media in general, most most media emphasizes like these like top CEOs that everyone kind of knows about and um like they get most of the spotlight, but no one really like um. No one really talks about the people who are around us who have these amazing stories, and um, those and those are actually the stories that people can relate to too. Like it's hard to relate to Zuckerberg starting a social network in, when you're 21, but you can relate to someone that was a high school dropout who taught themselves how to code and then a few years later became an engineer. You know, and those are the type of stories we try to bring to people and have them realize that, hey, you you might be only six months away from having the job that uh, you really want.
0: Yeah. And so and so part of that, obviously, so one part would then would be like you mentioned there with finding unique stories and unique yeah. guests to have on the show. And what about from the promotional side of it and how you're yeah. getting the word out? Obviously, I, I'm, I'm going to assume it's a lot of connections, but I'll let you speak on that and how you've promoted the podcast yeah. and helped grow it that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of it is just – Um, I think people have to realize like a podcast, you're basically in the content business. Um, and so like content media business, so you can't just be expecting that, like, Hey, I'm going to create this recording, put it on my website and now the whole world will know about it, right? You have to (laughs) think about your target audience, what type of things they want to, what type of things they, they like to listen to or like to discover where do they want to be? What are their pain points? And then you want to craft like a content strategy that incorporates pretty much all the social channels that your target audience hangs out on so if you're targeting prof- like professionals i guess or if you're targeting like ctos or executives you might want to like put most of your efforts on linkedin and just try to blow up as like your linkedin game by posting useful content and useful articles um, if you're tar- if you're going after like I mean maybe like l- kids and like toys you might start a YouTube channel. If you're targeting like people that might be in high school or college, social media like Instagram, um, you know. So there's uh, all these different channels. All of them have unique characteristics. So you re- you really need to think about like who you're going after, and then once you've identified your target uh, audience or like, your target listener, then you just need to start thinking about like where do they hang out, how much time do they have to. Um, listen to this to my podcast do they listen to it on the way to work do they have a job or are they an entrepreneur and then you try to create like a persona of who that person is um and then you i, I mean i think instagram has been really effective for us just consistently posting stories highlights uh, timeline posts and just kind of showing people what you're doing and just being very open around um your lifestyle and that's been really, really powerful for us to of build a strong following both like for ruben timor and i on instagram and twitter um so that's been working really really well for us but i know there's tons of other people that have used like linkedin or search engine optimization or other types of blogging sites to get a lot of traffic to their uh, podcast
0: right and did, I mean, how did you choose that? I guess was it all completely based on the audience? Because like you mentioned, like SEO, for instance, like was your intention like okay, we're gonna hit these social media channels because this is where we think our people are. Was that like to that point? Like, that's is that what you did for your strategy yeah. for growing? Okay, yeah, for growing, yeah,
1: pretty much. I mean, I, I think for SEO to do, to be able to do good as, like to, to have um, high ranking websites, you need to have quality content. So. Um, if you already have a podcast, then definitely transcribe your episodes, upload it to your website, try to have one or two interesting like infographics or cover images, things that could get shared on social media. And then just asking your, um, asking your guests to share it on their channels, to um, share it with their friends. And once you start getting backlinks from other websites, that helps with uh, SEO ranking. So I think SEO is a pretty important channel that you should be like thinking about if that's something, if you want to be, if you want to have a a website in terms of content, I think medium is really powerful for sharing your stories, especially if you could um, reach out and get your article submitted to one of the publications. There's a number of them that get something like a million visitors a month. I think the mission is one of them, but there's others too, where if you could just get part of that publication um, you'll get sent out to all the newsletters And you have a good chance of making it to the top of Medium. So that's what I would do. Like just share your story or your guests um, or like one of the episodes. Do a write up uh, and share it on Medium.
0: Yeah, and I definitely can vouch for that. Just seeing what you guys have done and seeing paying attention to other people on Medium as well, and seeing the success that they've had with writing articles on Medium they get shared people go to their site you know find out more about yeah. them and it really can take off from there you don't have to necessarily start with your own website especially if you're really new and just want to get started like Start on Medium. I've told told people even even at USC here. I've mentioned to some people like if you just yeah. write a couple like, really high quality Medium posts, like you could get yeah. a job or start your business. Like there's so many things with Medium that yeah could definitely. be a starting point. A lot of you. people
1: think they a lot of uh, pe- the thing that stops a lot of people from having a blog is like figuring out how to host your own website and I don't know all that stuff that comes with having managing your own site. Whereas with Medium, you could just write your post. And then you can just publish it that same day. And actually the SEO value of that post is gonna be way higher than your website that doesn't have any traffic. So Right. You'll be able exactly. to get discovered if you, by yeah.
0: Yeah, if you do searches, you'll see so many medium posts come up. If people like pay attention <laughs> and see it, they're like yeah, exactly. searching for different things, like medium posts will come up, even like the breaking the startups one, like that will yeah. show up in search. Yeah, someone it's, like
1: it's almost like a growth hack like if you're a brand new website you're not gonna rank in search and so you should be using things like quora or reddit or um medium sites that already have a high seo rank to just like focus on the keywords you want to target so if you're like let's go through a few keywords like if um you're trying to focus on career services right if you post on how to get a job. Like resumes you know interviews all that stuff there's tons of keywords you could target and then just write an article about them incorporate those keywords um you know it's pretty well documented online like the seo game but um you could get started today just go on medium and write a post and see yeah yeah yeah, and even for
0: for careers as as well i feel like careers even writing some some things in, on Medium to kind of grow your credibility in whatever industry you're, you're in or trying to get yeah. into, and that can help as well. Um, yeah. One thing I want to dig into too is like career karma. So I know there's CTO, career karma, and what exactly is career karma and you know how did that get started?
1: Yeah. So with bringing the startups, we, we went pretty wide and we said, hey, let's help people break in. Let's get as many people into tech as possible. And so um, we got tons of inbound and we got tons of people reaching out to us. And then um, we, we could basically tell them about how to do it, but we didn't have any tools to make sure they actually get to the final destination. And what you'll find with a lot of people um, who listen to podcasts or just in general, like they'll, they'll get excited about it, but a week into it or two weeks into it, life gets in the way or like something happens, like someone, like maybe your family member gets sick or you lose a job. And then all your ambitions and goals that you wanted to... Um, hit kind of gets puts on the side and then a month or two later you just start like losing faith in like your initial dream and so we found a lot of our listeners were reaching out to us like they showed so much eagerness but then when we followed up with them two months later or three months later we would see that um life just got in the way and they weren't able to successfully like complete their transition career transition so we came up with this idea called career karma which is basically like, a, like a, it's a peer network of people that want to transition careers and become software engineers. So we're starting out with software engineers because that's pretty much the, our bread and butter. That's what Timur and I did. And um, we're helping people right now that want to get jobs in tech by helping them learn how to code, get matched to coding boot camps, and then supporting them throughout the entire journey until they become an engineer. So that's what we're starting out with. But once we prove the software engineering market, we're going to expand it to other roles like sales, product, UX, UI, data science, and so on. But the software engineering one is the most, like I guess, the biggest segment within the market. So that's what we're starting at first.
0: Yeah. And so is with with the future of, of career carbon and also breaking into startups, is, is, it, is the idea to keep Breaking the startups going in terms of the podcast and everything to fuel career karma, and then just kind of go hand in hand. Is that kind of what you're yeah, doing, or absolutely. what's
1: the? Yeah. yeah, I mean, breaking the startups keeps growing listeners. We're we're getting. I think right now we're the, the biggest podcast in the world for people that want to change careers into tech. So um, we're getting tons of inbound, and so breaking startups is basically like a media educational platform to help people realize all the opportunities that exist in tech. And then when someone wants to take action. They join Career Karma, and then we're gonna match you to a peer circle of five to 10 people like yourself who are either exploring careers in tech or they're picking up a coding bootcamp or starting a coding bootcamp. And then you get that peer group because a lot of people um, lack accountability. And so when you're just starting out on your own, you might say, I wanna complete this coding course, but you might do it for a day or two and then you forget or you don't feel like it, and then you kind of lose that motivation. And so the goal of career karma is just provide you with a peer group that's going to keep you accountable and you're going to see other people struggling, other people having challenges. And that's, that's going to help you come, come together and hit, hit uh, the milestones as a team. So um, since starting this year, yeah. So since starting this year, we've helped uh, hundreds of people get into coding boot camps. And so... Uh, yeah, things are going really good and I think next year we might introduce a new track, maybe either data science or UX UI or sales to help more people that want to do tech uh break in.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And congrats on the breaking in startups, just the success of it so far. Yeah. Um it's that's that's amazing, yeah. especially you know, in a short amount of time, right? Like that's that's incredible. You found the niche and then you guys have crushed yeah. it, which Thanks. has been good to Thanks, see. Man. And then also, I you know you just mentioned like we, before we t- started talking here, you got into Y Combinator, and by the time this episode's live, you're going to yeah. be in the thick of it. Um, can you describe, I like, just mentioned like, why you wanted to get into Y Combinator and what you're hoping for from that experience.
1: Yeah, so there's, I don't know if people have heard about Y Combinator, but basically it's an acceler- accelerated program that a lot of the companies like Airbnb, Dropbox, Stripe have went to. And um, the format of the... Uh, YC is actually very similar to Career Karma in terms of you get assigned to these groups and you have weekly dinners with your cohort mates and the YC partners, and they help you figure out your product market fit. They help you figure out your partnerships, your revenue, and you get mentored by people that have started successful companies before. So um, for our batch, so in the winter batch, uh, 12,000 companies applied and only 200 companies were selected to be part of the Jeez. winter badge. And so Crazy. I think the acceptance rate is like less than 1.5%. Um, so it's actually harder to get into YC than Harvard. Um, but the goal of um, Y Combinator is basically like giving you the peer network where you can see other founders struggling or other founders um, doing really well. And that's supposed to motivate you and your team to push and try to exceed your goals. Um and another awesome thing that comes with Y Combinator is just the mentorship you get from people that have started these successful companies before, um, which is like you can't get anywhere else. You might be able to get like an advisor or a mentor if you're just like outside of the YC net- network, but that person may meet, may meet with you for like once a month. With Y Combinator, you have weekly scheduled dinners with your partners and with um, people in your in your cohort And then YC doesn't really stop after the 12 weeks of Y Combinator. You have those office hours for pretty much for life. Um, And so you continue getting advice, you continue getting feedback and yeah, it's a really cool program.
0: Yeah, that's, that's incredibly exciting and congrats on that. I mean, it's going to be such a great experience obviously and um, well-deserved as well. And, Yeah, you you know because i guess i've done you guys have done so much and just looking at like the stuff you've done it's like gosh you've (laughs) you've been working pretty hard on all of this um i I'm, i'm just have a couple more questions before we go i know you have a time constraint but i'm curious as to what resources whether it be books or podcasts or or audiobooks or anything else that have been you know helpful for you along your career journey your career path or even resources that you think other people should look to
1: yeah for sure that's a great question um I think Austin Balsack's blog um, and newsletter is super helpful because he basically talks about um, how to like create your portfolio, your resume, um, and he has pretty actionable tips. I think the biggest one is like not being able, not being afraid to call the email email um, the people at these companies that you want to work at. And so Austin does a really good job breaking down all the steps you need to do to from like figuring out what their email is from crafting an email to how to conduct yourself during the interviews. So I would recommend his blog. It's called cultivated culture. I think for motivation, I like to listen to, um, I mean, I uh, personally, I'm I'm a big fan of Gary V just, I love the motivation. I know he kind of sometimes go off like on a lot of tangents, but I just love his (laughs) like energy and his hustle. Um, we actually had Gary V on our podcast a few months ago and he was one of the best like guests we've ever had, but he, he's yeah. all He's very real and he doesn't, he like cuts through all the BS. And um, I love his advice about just putting your head down and working your ass off in your twenties. And just a lot of the stuff he tells you to do. It's so intuitive and so simple, but a lot of it's very, like, it's almost like people get so lost in social media and like Instagram and kind of what other people have. You know, and the lifestyle that other people live, and Gary he kind of right. brings it back to reality, saying like, "Hey, don't get seduced by all this hustle porn. Go actually and like stop listening to my podcast. Go and actually build a, <laughs> a business, or go on Craigslist and start hustling."
0: Right. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. a good one. I mean, I I listened to the episode that he had with, with you guys, and actually, I did see him in person uh, a couple years back. Is one of the things like I'm just just getting into. I think I read his book, Crush It, and then I like he has some conference in New York, a one day conference. I was like, Oh yep. my gosh, he's, he's killing it, man. He's like, obviously so inspirational, but he does have a lot of tactics and strategies that are useful, which is why I listen to that podcast as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of a very valuable one. Um, as we kind of wrap things up here, any, any parting words for anyone trying to break into tech or people trying to build something like you've built with breaking into startups, any other kind of parting advice yeah. for people?
1: Yeah. So I'll give kind of two sets of advice. I think, uh, one is for, People that want to be entrepreneurial, um, I think I can kind of relate to that feeling like, hey, I'm tired of working for someone else. I want to start my own company. Um, But I see a lot of people make a mistake of just like leaving their jobs and then trying to start a business without having a strong team around them. And um, having been through the process of starting multiple companies, team is everything. It's more important than the idea itself because... Execution is like is going to determine whether you, your startup lives or dies. So um, before you quit your job, before you go off and um, start a company, make sure that you have the right team in place because things are going to get tough and things are going to like you're going to need to be good at so many different things. That having co-founders, like at least one or two co-founders, is going to be critical. Um, and I'm thankful that I have Timor and Ruben as my co-founders because without them, there's no way we could have gotten where mm-hmm. we are. Um, so that's kind of one advice for people that want to start companies. Um, I think the second advice for people that want to change careers, um, I think in, in this day and age, um, people change jobs, people change careers like seven to 10 times in their lifetime. And so don't be limited by what you studied in school. I think a lot of people kind of fall into the kind of college or American dream um, mindset where you basically go to school and the, like from 18 to 22, you party or study or whatever you do and then from 22 on you're basically just supposed to like find a career and stick to it for the rest of your life and i think that's a pretty big pretty big fallacy i think there's so many interesting new skill sets that are being born out of like thin air that didn't exist a year or two before you know so for people that are go-getters people that like to learn new things just start reading about or start learning about new emerging fields and become an expert in one of those skills. And you'll be able to be a thought leader. You'll be able to uh, reestablish yourself. And um, you could take crypto as an example. Um, crypto didn't exist like three, four years ago, right? And now there's ICOs. Yeah. There's all these different um, companies that are doing interesting things with blockchain. So if you're someone that's kind of in, is, is into blockchain, then like don't don't feel like you have to stick to your other field job. Just... Make a jump. Like maybe you'll start as a junior personality. Maybe you'll kind of struggle for a bit, trying to get your foot in foot in the door. But on a 10-20 year trajectory, you're actually gonna be way ahead because you got into this industry before everyone else did. You know, and crypto is just right. an example. There's so many other interesting fields uh, out there. So don't feel like you ha- you have to do what you studied in school. Um, and uh, you'll be way happier. And I could speak from my personal experience. I'm way more. I feel way more fulfilled now being a CTO of a startup than when I was doing investment banking, um, working a hundred hours a week.
0: Yeah. And it, to that point, it's just like, yeah, you need, like, there are examples out there of people and that's what obviously you guys are doing, showing those non-conventional stories of, of people like breaking into tech and everything showing it is possible. And I think it's helpful for people to see that and it makes it so much more real for them. And then it's like, Oh wait, maybe I can do it too. Like there's no reason why they can't. Um, And where can people go to to learn more about you, what you're doing, what you're working on and all of that?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you could find me on Twitter, Instagram. So Archer Meister on Twitter and A Meister on Instagram. Um, I'm like, I'm big about sharing, like documenting our journey. So um, if you're an Curious to, to see like what Ruben, Timo, and I are up to every day, especially as we're going through Y Combinator. We're going to be posting daily stories and just sharing all the people we're helping break into tech. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that's probably the best way to connect with me. Um, obviously, bre- check out Breaking startups podcast. We have over 100 guests now sharing their stories of how they broke in from professional athletes, veterans, single parents, uh, college, high school dropouts, Pretty much everything you could imagine. With everyone we could, you can imagine we've featured. And so, if you need some extra motivation, and maybe you you want to make a career transition to tech, but you don't know where to begin, I would definitely recommend starting to listen to the podcasts and uh, reach out to one of the guests. Like with all of our guests, they leave contact information at the end of the episode. So if one of the story resonates with you, just shoot them an email and ask for a coffee or to jump on a call with them.
0: Yeah. And I'll definitely link up all of your stuff as well in the show notes. So just go garden.com slash podcast. So make sure everyone can get access to that. And Archer, thank you so much for your time today. Great talking to you, man.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I'm I'm happy to be here and helping your listeners um, figure out their next career.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. The show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating review to support the show, help more people find it. Would really, really appreciate that. Hope you have a great day. Talk to you soon.